Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. But here's the thing about VR, and particularly about location-based VR. What that is going to enable is world-scale, free-roaming, personal VR. And the device is going to be probably not like a pair of glasses, but nothing like the devices we see. It's not going to look like the Vive Focus where you essentially have a box sitting on your face. All that's going to go away. In world-scale free roaming, you literally could go to a park, turn it into Oz, and be walking around in Oz. And you could do it with other people. But you won't go to a park because you won't need to. You'll be sitting in your living room. Maybe. Maybe. It depends who you are. It depends how big your living room is, right? Your living room might not accommodate the experiences you want to use. Mm. Well, by then, I'm assuming with eye tracking and, you know, brain-computer interfaces, because right? all of the right. stuff is going to converge. So, so, you know, the, right. the locomotion and, issue goes away because right. you could think, I want to move, and you're going to move. Well, right? or, I mean, or you can literally move. Yeah. So here's my point as it relates to LBE, because I assume most of the people at this yeah, call, yeah, that's, yeah. that's their basic interest I in think VR so. is LBE. I think it could really impact the LBE business. And it's a business that is easily disrupted, right? What took virtual world down was the internet. Basically, we were a business, we were dependent on our regular customers, which is great. That's a good LBE business that you have repeat customers who are loyal to you. We discounted too much. That was a problem. Never discount. If you discount, it is the end of your business. Groupons. No. You know, sell by the minute, $20 an hour bullshit. Like just stop now. Once you undervalue your product, your client will never pay full price again. And so we had a problem with our regulars at one point because of the discounting there. Well, I'm just waiting for the next special. Yep. Then I'll go in. Especially with regulars. Especially yeah. with regulars. You cannot yep. discount. Yep. And, you know, people like, they feel like they have to do a frequent flyer program. No. Yeah. Well, no. look, there are ways you can reward loyalty. T-shirts. Yeah, I mean, value. Add, add value. value. Don't, add don't value. charge less. Add value. Add value. You know, after 10 visits, you get a T-shirt. VIP events. Fucking, they love VIP right, events because exactly. it makes them feel special, right? It's right? Exclusive. exclusive. And you can do it on Tuesday night when nobody else is there, right. so nobody cares. Exactly. So, well, the other thing is you rank people by ability so that players with more experience and more ability are ranked against other players yeah. so that yeah. they don't spend their time slaughtering newbies, which gets boring for them. And, and makes it a bad toasts, first-time user right, experience. And toasts the newbies. Yeah, we used uh, to have that trouble in the laser tag business. Yeah, exactly. So convergence is a really big idea. And so and it's going to dramatically change. Well, I was using, right, I was using the example of the internet. So what happened to all those regulars is that the internet happened. Yeah. And they were all first adopters. Yeah. So instead of hanging out with us at Virtual World, they were you know, te- using Battle, IRC. Like Battletech or whatever. Yeah, they on were, they, you could do Activision. So we competed with ourselves. That was another stupid mistake we made. We made a license with Activision. We were greedy, flat out, and we didn't think it would compete. And it totally competed. <laughs> and we totally, it totally just was another, you know, straw on the camel's back, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, between the internet, between the discounting, I mean, we just killed the business. Yeah. I'm not sure anything would have saved the business because one of the value propositions was you'll never be able to do this at home. But because of Moore's law and the rapid development of personal computing, that didn't turn out to be true. That was an assumption we yeah. made that turned out to be true. So that's another business lesson, which is question your business assumptions. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't make assumptions when you're doing the business plan and then continue the rest of your life like those assumptions are true. But I do think that the world-scale free roaming could potentially disrupt 
the LBE business in the same way that the internet disrupted the LBE business in the 90s. Mm. So I think that that's a real danger at a convergence moment. Yeah. And I think that the problem and the reason that that's a real risk, I think, from an existential standpoint is that the endemic providers, the, the, there's an innovation problem I see in LBE where the operators rely on the manufacturers to innovate. And the operators themselves aren't innovating the experiences, but the operators who's delivering the experiences. So there's been this, and this isn't everybody. I know some of you operators are out there are really forward thinking and are innovating. But for the most part, for the industry, the operators rely on the manufacturers to innovate. And the problem is, you know, manufacturers are, they're making shit. And they're, as long as people are buying the stuff they're making, they're not really driven to innovate. So what happens is new startup companies come in and they bring innovative stuff in. But operators aren't ready to adopt the new stuff because they don't yeah. trust and people are going to be there. And so there's a real innovation challenge in this yeah. industry it, that underlies this issue yeah. that you're talking and, about. And so that's, that's why I've said to everybody who will listen in the LBE business, you must immediately go to 5 Pro Wireless and you could do multiplayer room scale. So you no longer yeah. have to be the void. Even if you have a storefront on Main yeah. Street, yeah. you, don't, yeah. you yeah. can be yeah. a mini void yeah. because you can do multiplayer quasi free roaming but it's yeah. quite large it's 20 by 20 yeah. most people don't have 20 by 20 rooms which is the other reason i say if you're building a location do not put up hard walls mm-hmm. if you put up hard walls you're going to take them down in a year yeah so you know those heavy duvetyn curtains are the way to go mm-hmm. you know they are got to make them look good somehow though because if you well, build a 10 million dollar family entertainment center like you're not going to hang curtains well like, that's right i'm talking so more about a, a you're about the VR arcade. arcade yeah and the problem with those guys really is that they've got a problem because they think their inventory is their space and time yeah and they're thinking in this i need to maximize every square foot every square inch and putting a free roam in it's big and they take it and what if somebody isn't playing it in that moment or what if i don't have four people but you got to have something they can't get it yeah yeah you got to have something they can't get it all i actually think the the Freestanding VR is its own particular you challenge. Can, you can charge more for it. You don't have to charge by the minute. You actually can charge 30, 40 bucks for a 30 minute experience there, which is harder to do. Yeah. And Sandbox it. says they're not seeing any resist, price resistance. We didn't see any price resistance at zero latency at 50 um, bucks. Yeah. So, for 30 minutes. so I um, like, and, and I'll qualify that. Like, if people haven't done VR and they don't know what they're getting into, they are resistant and you have to get them over the ledge. Once you get them over the ledge, they're like, fuck, that was worth it. I'll do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kind of losing my voice on the Already? third day of oh, CES, no, and good. my feet were hurting so oh, badly. I want to yesterday. go back to it. So this is like I want to go back to the survival guy. Uh, yeah. So I've been doing so shoes. Obviously, are like top of the list yes. if you're going to do CES. Absolutely. And so I found some new shoes. These are called time slippers, and I've been wearing them for a couple of weeks. And I'm wearing them without socks, by the way, because I freaking hate socks. And they have a wool lining, and they have this thing in the back you can like slide your foot in like a slipper. Or this, and they're totally laceless. I use the Merrill slip ones. They also have a lot of support and a lot of cushion, right? Yeah. Because you're sitting on hard. But you can't wear them without socks. And so you can, you can, but but you'll have blisters. Yeah. I walked CES now all day yesterday. Not a single blister, no socks. So time slippers. It was a Kickstarter. So um, yeah, CES is so massive now. Yeah. They said that there was 180 thousand people last year. There are 220 thousand people this year which is just a crazy number of people. And the Sands Expo Center, you cannot walk through. It's so crowded. It's so crowded. Wow. And, um, you know, the Sands isn't where the main action is. Yeah. You know, all the cars and, yeah. you know, giant appliances that talk to you are all, all at the convention yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. But and the Sands is mostly for smaller companies, smaller booths and startups. All the startups. And that's all the innovations happening, too, and I find. It's yeah. mobbed. I mean, it was crowded last year, but yeah. I was like, where 
where the hell are all these people coming from? Yeah. So much more crowded than last yeah. year. So let's talk about AR. Yeah. Because I promised people we're going to talk about sure. AR. So, and that's where you've spent a lot of your well, time. Again, you, well, again, like, in convergence, there's an AR and VR are interoperable. Do you think so? I do. And I think that when we talk about Apple, right, there's yep. all these rumors about Apple. I don't believe Apple's going to do anything until convergence. Yeah, they're slow to release. They don't release it until it's ready. But why would they do it now? Everything you see now on the floor, there's some wonderful, cool AR glasses. They're interim devices. Yeah. It's a device that three years from now is going to be in a drawer. And are they AR or are they just heads-up displays? And what's the, like, is there a difference? It's I a mix. They- it's a mix. Some use more of a combiner approach, which is what I call Magic Leap at HoloLens. Yes. But most of them are heads-up displays, yeah. right? So Which is essentially your phone on your face. It's giving notifications in your phone, right? right. The focals by north, you know, as opposed to like the Vizix Blade where you can sort of navigate on the wing and yeah. tap and, and uh, you know, north, focals by north, you know, it's just projecting very limited information. Yeah. But, you know, all these things are, you know, both Vizix and, and the other ones I see, they all integrate some kind of a, an assistant. Because as I said, part of yeah, the convergence is AI. Right. But they do very, very good voice recognition, better in many ways than, than you get from a smartphone. And that's, as I said, AI is a big part of this. You know, it's the way you'll get information that's timely and contextual. Yeah. Right. Because the last thing you want to be is visually interrupted all the time. Yeah. Right. So that's the thing about North. I mean, do you really want a notification of a text message in your glasses? Yeah. Or do you want notifications constantly popping up in your face? Like it's bad enough now they're on our phone. Right? Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think that we know what the final form factor is going to be. So who's the guy that just came out? I posted this on my Facebook group that said VR is going to be 10 million times bigger than AR. Mark Andreessen. Mark Andreessen. So well, I think the you. other question for Mark Andreessen is, well, define that. You know, what does it mean for it to be bigger? I mean, it's a much bigger commitment by the user. Yeah, and I think he's talking about impact and volume of the units. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly going to be a lot less expensive than good AR. Good AR is going to run you a 1000 or even $2,000 when Apple Glass comes out. When it first comes out. Yeah. But eventually, again, this is like the AR, like, we're, we really should be talking in decade cycle right. now, right? Of course. Of course. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, you know, look, I mean, a premium pair of glasses still costs a $1,000. But of course, I wear these all day long, every single day. So it's like. But you will, like, ultimately, where they are, that's what we'll be doing, right? And yes, but again, what the form of it is is unclear until convergence. Happens. So here's my theory on AR and VR. My theory on AR is it's actually going to become the training wheels that drive mass adoption of this type of an XR experience. And so what happens is, you know, they're going to push the stuff that we need constantly to our on our phones into some kind of a glass that we wear all the time. And what's going to happen is we're going to get so used to that. Then when we move back into VR and these real persistent worlds that you're talking about being built, it's going to be more comfortable. It's going to feel natural. Right. And so my theory is that smart glasses, AR, whatever, are going to wind up training us to live in VR. And ultimately, we're going to spend almost all of our time in VR. And it's, hopefully by then I'll be dead. Well, you know, <laughs> Philip, Careful you wish Philip Rosedale, who founded Second Life, said to me, we're going to spend the rest of our lives entertaining each other. Yeah. Right? With automation and robots taking care of all of our human needs, that we're going to spend the rest of the time entertaining each other. Yeah. Which I think is very fun. Which is what way. we're doing right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so AR, I think AR, I think the laser tech company should be doing AR now. Like, even if it's just a heads-up display or right. whatever, that feels like something well, you right, can really Well, right, because you can put the right? map in there yeah. where you know the position of the other players, yeah. which, you know, you do in, in video games all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the feedback, like how many shots do you have left right, exactly. and, and what your shield level is and right. all of these things that they've tried to create 
capability and put it in a like, gun. Because there's a VR, lot of right? faux AR yeah. inside of VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and certainly in console games, you see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. The whole heads up display. Right, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, especially in, in you know, wave shooters and other kinds of games where you have multiple weapons and yeah. you, you see what you have. So you did the music blade and you seem to like it on your well, uh, review, like, yeah. But I mean, everybody thinks that review was like a rave review. I mean, I've used the music blade, you know, three times for less than an hour each time. Every time I've used it, I thought, oh, you know, this is really cool. I mean, the interface is great. Okay. You know, the touching yeah. link, super intuitive, super easy. That said, this is not a good form factor. Yeah. You know, you do this for 45 minutes, you're like, yeah, it's not, you're not totally hands free. Yeah. But the problem. I had the, the downside is it didn't have enough apps working that I could wear it for a sustained period of time. It doesn't accommodate my prescription, mm. which would limit the amount of time I was using it. You know, it was kind of fun to watch a movie while I was walking the dog down uh, 37th Street in New York. Wow. So, you know, there's something about it that's compelling. I, think I, don't, I don't know if it's a consumer product. And I, I don't know if I, if once they get all the software, I'll be interested. I mean, I have a pair. And so it'll be interesting once their software is, everything is about to happen for music. So, you know, they say by the end of January, all the major apps are going to be online. You know, kind of said that last year at CES, didn't they? Well, that's what everybody says at CES. (laughs) That's a little bit of a problem with CES, right? I talked to 20 AR glasses companies, and I don't think I saw one single product that was really finished. Although the Blade, you know, they're manufacturing them. And so it doesn't feel and like they a did, demo. And they did release like, a developer kit last year, right? They, right. But last year, the demo unit had tape on it. You could see the rivets. It was 3D printed, which, you know, those things always come out looking somewhat ersatz. Yep. So now they've got a real product. Yeah. I mean, it's very solid. You put it on. You know, it feels like a consumer product. Okay. So, you know, whereas none of these other things here do. And, what, the and, and what's their target price for that thing? I know the deep. It's a grand. It's a grand. Yeah. Okay. Nine, nine ninety nine ninety nine. Which I guess in the world of $1,500 smartphones actually seems somewhat reasonable. Like, you know, two years ago, I was... Right. Would, but they realize that it is an interim device that, you know, they're not going to sell tens of thousands. You know, they end the year with 15,000 sales. I think they'd be very happy. Yeah. Okay. You know, because it is an interim device. They have their next generation, which I saw again is a prototype, looks like, you know, wraparound Ray-Bans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. and they look cool. They look cool, yeah. You know, whereas the current Blade looks a little wonky, not as bad as the ODG. So I know you've done Magic Leap now. Have you done HoloLens 2 yet? No. Okay, so you've done Magic Leap. Yeah. You know, you wrote one of my favorite articles I've read by anybody, which was your thing about Magic Leap in Forbes. It was probably right. an open letter months. to Magic Leap. An open letter to Magic Leap, which is a little bit of a grinding, an axe grinder, but the message in it was absolutely spot on. And why don't you give everybody like Well, a, I mean, first, a of, first of all, I wrote it out of affection yeah. and with respect. Yep. Because if you want to talk to somebody like Roni Abovitz or Alex Kipman, that is the only way you're going to get me. So I wanted a response from Roni, and I got one. The premise of the article is all the announcements from Magic Leap have been about games and entertainment. Yep. And if the only thing their AR glasses is is an entertainment machine they've lost already. Yeah. Because gamers are whole, totally satisfied with their platforms. Yep. They are not looking to get a new console game, console player. People don't buy uh, Xbox and PlayStation. They buy the one thing. It's very satisfying. Yep. And, you know, they get good at the games on there. I mean, yep. I mean, my older son is a bit of a gamer, and he loves the sports games. Yeah. And, you know, he put on the VR. He said, I don't see how this is going to make Madden better. And that's the problem with VR is it doesn't solve a problem. Like, that's the core thing with VR, which is slowing the consumer adoption in the consumer market. It doesn't solve a clear problem. And I think AR has the ability to solve more problems for us. Yeah, so my, my point to Roni or whoever read it was, 
you can't be making an entertainment device. It has to be a device that we live with, which means you have to be able to read. There has to be an interface for email. You have to be able to surf the web, you know, and, and there needs to be, you know, some kind of interface that allows you to do that. You need to click, you need to point, you need to gesture. And I still, by the way, have not seen, you know, typing. I have not taken it outdoors. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things about, but, and by the way, they don't believe in that product. They think that product is a prototype that they had to make for developers. Interesting. You know, they, like Musics, are all about the next version and the next version. And they also have prototypes of them. Yeah. So that's what they use in the office. Yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. go back to using the one that they're selling. They're like, oh, uh, we hate this thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, again, interim devices. I mean, I think that is the theme of AR for the next several years. There is not a single device you can buy that you wouldn't get rid of in two or three years. And by the way, this is why you see the hype cycle, right? Which is, you know, people get hyped up because everybody's talking about the possibilities. Yep. We get hyped up on the possibilities. The reality doesn't meet the possibility yet. Right. And so you go through this trough of disillusionment, but then the second and third and fourth generations come up and that's where the difference is. Well, so, so VR has gone through the trough of disillusionment and AR possibly is going to follow because I think there's a broad misunderstanding. And this is something that I've been saying a lot recently too. AR is not a thing. It's not a thing that you download. There is no AR app that's going to explain to you what AR is. That's yep. what we all thought when AR came out. We're like, what the fuck? These are all like little throwaway demos. Yeah. Well, of course, because AR is not a thing any more than GPS is a thing. It is a quality, mm. right? It is mm. a quality that better apps will have, and they'll find a way to use it. As is, three, like you said, 3D, right? When we go from 2D you know, to 3D, it's a quality. Yeah. Got so, it. That's a so, really good point. So AR is a quality, and AR is going to seep into our lives as part of apps like Google Maps, yep. right? You're not going to download an AR app. There are AR glasses yeah. But let's keep the idea of the app and the software a little separate yeah. from the delivery device. Really good point. That's what's going to cause the trout disillusionment. Yeah. People are going to be like, oh, shit, it's not a thing. Yeah. And then but I think people are thinking it's a thing okay. because of the you glasses. Can buy. Yeah. Because the glasses are the thing you can buy, not AR. Yep. The glasses are just a delivery system. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be the next display technology. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. That makes a ton of sense. So if there is a trial of disillusionment yeah. for AR, it's just going to be people starting to realize yeah. that AR is not a thing. Yeah. And the devices, so whether it's Magic Leap 1 or HoloLens 2 or all of this stuff, these are just training wheel devices. Correct. Ultimately, that will right. lead to some now, kind Now, of- again, we're talking about consumers. and enterprise, is yeah, different. Yeah, 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 yeah. An enterprise is different because you have a very specific problem, and you're using AR as a tool to solve that problem. Yeah. But again, if the worker has to have his hands free, you use a head-mounted display. Or, you know, many warehouses and factories, they've got people using pads, Yeah. you know, because they're just getting instructions. Yeah. You know, they're just sort of using computer vision to anchor a diagram onto a piece of equipment. And then they're able to figure out what parts that yeah. are not working. And, you know, so it's, it's sort of super 3D instructions. And oftentimes what happens, we don't see this, is the thing that drives consumer awareness and adoption is the business use, is the commercial enterprise. Yeah. Well, and I mean, with smartphones, like BlackBerry. Right. Right, Absolutely. BlackBerry was a yep. business device for yep. email that led everybody to have smartphones. Yes. And when the smartphones came out, it was like, oh yeah, I get it, right? Yep. And so we're gonna the same thing's happening now with VR, and yep. it's happening with AR, and that's gonna help with the adoption. I, I mean, the great thing about LBE, and frankly, any business use or educational use, is the more you can get somebody in a VR headset, the more they're gonna want it. Yep. VR has qualities that you can't really explain. Yeah. You know, the idea of presence is very powerful, and it's one of the key features of key qualities of VR, but I'll be damned if I, I spend, you know, Variety called me XR's explainer in chief. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be damned if for all my explaining, I could explain to somebody who's never done VR, you know, the power of presence. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's going great guns. I mean, VR is great. Its first killer app is training and simulation. It's really good for that. That's the end of part two of this interview. Part three is up next.